The Explore Oregon podcast is brought to you by the Statesman Journal, newspaper of Salem and the state capital since 1851. I'm your host, Zach Ernest, and in each episode, producer David Davis and I highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. In this edition, we're traveling way down to the Oregon and California border to visit the tallest trees on earth, the mighty redwoods. But first, here's some guitar music to get us going. Every time I visit the redwood forest, it feels as though I'm transported to a different time. Redwoods are organisms of the ancient world, the skyscrapers of the dinosaurs. And they're so beyond our expectation for what a tree should look like that we gawk and dumbstruck wonder for minutes, hours, days. I've been visiting the big trees of southwest Oregon and California for almost a decade now. And that feeling of awe has never faded, never grayed into a shoulder shrug or the feeling of whatever. In this edition of the Explore Oregon podcast, we'll talk about the world's tallest trees and how to visit them in this patchwork of ancient forests that remain standing. We'll take a look at Oregon's collection of redwoods, going rafting through the big trees, and the only way to backpack in Redwood National Park. All right, David, let's define what we're talking about first. So. To start off, we're going to stick to the coast redwoods right around the border of Oregon and California. California obviously has a lot of these big trees, but we're not going to go down to Sequoia National Park or anything like that. That's a slightly different species of tree. Or hang out around San Francisco or Eureka. We're sticking to the cream of the tall trees in Oregon and then the Redwood National and State Park System, which is just south of the border. The Redwood National and State Park System is an interesting place. It's actually composed of four different and fragmented parks. It's not like visiting one contiguous national park like, say, Crater Lake or something. The different Redwood parks are almost an hour apart from north to south, so that makes planning pretty important if you want to enjoy it. Yeah, the fragmentation really reflects the state of Redwood forests. So of the 200 million acres of Redwood forest that we once had blanketed in the entire area, Only 5% of that remains, and that's almost entirely in this little patchwork of parks. In this podcast, we're going to visit all the parks and kind of pick out the best and most unique experiences, the stuff you really shouldn't miss. That's going to include a lot of hikes, but also some fun stuff like rafting, whale watching, and even taking a gondola up into the redwood canopy. So let's get started as we always do with this simple question. Why go? It's a five or six hour drive from Salem. We have plenty of big stands of trees here in Oregon. Are the redwoods really that big of a deal? I would say that, yeah, they are. And the reason is that, look, nothing really compares to a redwood. They've always felt like a displaced species from an ancient time or or a different world. I mean, we do have plenty of big trees in Oregon. It's just not quite the same. I mean, there's a reason redwoods are so often used in in movies as a stand-in for a place that's otherworldly or not on Earth. So, you know, redwoods are shown in in Star Wars and Planet of the Apes and Jurassic Park, and it's this island of something ancient, totally unique on Earth, and it's just a place you have to see. I mean, you can't describe what Crater Lake looks like. You can't describe the color of the water. You have to see it for yourself, and I think it's the same for redwoods. Yeah, and it's actually a really good place for a family vacation. The facilities are well organized. Everything is pretty well documented. But kind of the big downside is that the crowds have grown a lot in the last few years. So you really have to plan and sort of know your way around 
to make the most of it. Yeah, making a plan and not making a plan just has a bigger impact in the Redwoods because if you don't have reservations, if you don't plan out the things you're going to do, you can easily have a really crummy experience. You know, you'll, you'll be stuck among crowds. You'll be waiting in lines to get a par- camping spot. You might not get a camping spot. But if you do things well, if you plan it out in advance and you think about what you're going to do, you can have a great experience or you'll almost certainly have a great experience. All right. So before our listeners start scratching their heads, this is the Explore Oregon podcast. And yes, we're going to talk a lot about California. So, Zach, please defend that decision to bring in California into this. Well, first of all, Oregon does have redwoods, so that's fair enough. But I've always felt like this area of extreme northwest California is really more more like Oregon. So I think Oregon should just go ahead and, and annex this area. I mean, the, the coast up there is more like the Oregon coast. The forests are very much like the Pacific Northwest. I've just always felt like this area in particular is just a little bit more like Oregon than California. All right. I'm sure Governor Brown and Governor Brown are going to meet and have a little <laughs> like summit on exchanging Northern California. I, I can announce that that's definitely going to happen very soon. We'll have live uh, broadcast of that here. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and jump into some of that with your itinerary. Let's talk about planning your trip. All right. The first thing you got to do is pick your season. Uh, it changes a lot from, from season to season, as with most places. If you go in the summer, you know, it's fine. But the crowds have gotten so heavy that I personally don't go in the summer anymore. It's just it's a little bit too much for me. It's great if you do do the planning, but I just don't personally. My favorite time to go is actually the depths of winter. So that's when it's cold and rainy. But I, I found that, that that rain and the solitude really brings out the best of a redwood forest. It's just lush. It feels alive in the rain. Most people, you know, I might not be able to convince you of that. You know, the cold and rain turn off plenty of people. So the best overall time, I'd say, is spring right before school lets out. Because then you get those, you know, 70 to 80 degree sunny days. You can float the river. But the hordes, the masses haven't quite arrived at that point. So the right place to start is usually selecting your base camp. So what are your favorite options for camping? I'm going to highlight three places. They're obviously not the only ones. There's a ton of campgrounds out there, and you know you can do a quick Google search, but I am going to point out three of my favorites. On the Oregon side, it's Loeb State Park, and so that's just outside of Brookings. And the cool thing about Loeb is that it's right across from a grove of Oregon redwoods, so it's the northernmost grove of the redwoods. Uh, Loeb State Park is right along the the magical Chetco River, which is a great place to fish and paddle around. So it's a nice vacation spot in itself. The campgrounds are nice. They have cabins you can rent. Loeb State Park is my first one. The best overall campground, I'd say, is Jedediah Smith Redwood State Park Campground. And this was built in, you know, the early 1900s, and it's right in among the redwoods. So that's what makes it really cool. They also rent cabins, uh, which are very nice. cost about $100 per night. But the great thing about being in Jed Smith is you're right in the middle of the redwoods. You know, you're right next to a sandy beach along the Smith River. It's just everything is very good, and you're right there. So Jed Smith is going to be the second place. And the third place is the trickiest to, to get a spot at, but it's called Gold Bluffs Beach. And it's at Prairie Creek Redwood State Park, so just a little bit farther south. If you want to drive in and camp, you got to get reservations way ahead of time, um, but it's worth it. I mean, you're camping out on the beach on this really beautiful, undeveloped beach, very close to 
incredible redwoods, great stuff. So Gold Bluffs Beach, my third pick. All right. And if camping isn't quite your thing, there's also plenty of cheap options for hotels in Brookings and Crescent City, as well as vacation rentals in the area. Do you have a favorite hotel? Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for kind of an odd place where you can get a good deal, there's a place called Patrick's Creek Lodge. It's off Highway 199 in between Cave Junction and Jed Smith Redwoods. It was built in 1926, and it has a very old school kind of black and white movie feel to it. It's a little bit run down these days, but it still has this wonderful bar and uh, restaurant that really makes you feel like you're, you're just in a classic movie, like Humphrey Bogart's going to walk by and order a martini. <laughs> There's not that many places like that left, and so Patrick's Creek... Despite being a little rickety, it's still my favorite place to to spend the night if it's going to be indoors. Okay, we've covered the best base camps. Now let's go ahead and jump into some of the activities. We're going to highlight a lot of different places and ideas. So keep in mind, we have a ton of stories about these at statesmanjournal.com that go into even more depth. Let's go ahead and dive into the heart of Redwood Country. We'll start with this. What's the best place to go if you've never visited the Redwoods before? Yeah, so if it's your first time, you're making your first trip down to the Redwoods, my suggestion is to go to Jedediah Smith Redwood State Park. That's my favorite state park, personally. I just love the forest there. It's very dense. It really feels like a true Redwood forest. The way to start experiencing it is to drive this road. It's called Howland Hills Road. And it's one of the most scenic roads in the world. It actually goes, it's this kind of rickety gravel road that goes right through the heart of the forest. So you're driving along in your little, you know, SUV or your little Subaru or whatever, and the trees just rise right overhead. And it's cool. You can stop with your, with your family at the little pullouts, take a selfie next to these trees that will blow your mind if it's your first time. And it gives you just, it kind of like baptizes you into the whole Redwood experience. There's really good hiking trails along the way. The first one and the easiest one for for families especially is Stout Grove. I was just there uh, this past spring with my kids. It was their first time. They're one and three. and It was so much fun because there's cavities in these giant trees. So areas where they can actually go and hide inside them. So we just played hide and seek in the redwoods. And it was actually really hard to find them in some cases because there's so many good places to hide. There's also downed redwoods, so they could actually jump on top of them and kind of tightrope along it. It's just a natural playground. Stout Grove is really cool. So that's my pick if you're coming in there with a family. If you're looking for a longer hike, Boy Scout Tree Trail is the best overall redwood hike at Jed Smith. The redwoods are uniformly very large, and it's cool. They kind of change colors. So you'll get the, the chestnut-colored ones, then you know almost white ash ones, and that's kind of a cool thing. Boy Scout Tree Trail is cool. It got the name because there is a tree called Boy Scout Tree where two redwoods have actually fused together at the base. So they do this sometimes, and it leads to this gigantic base. It looks like a Saturn rocket or something in the middle of the forest. And then the trees split off, so it forms kind of that Boy Scout, you know, peace sign. And so that's how it got its name. All right, now that's our family segment. Let's go ahead and move on to something that's a little bit more challenging. Our next category is Get Wild. What do you got, Zach? So the Redwood National and State Park system is pretty tightly regulated. You know, it gets a lot of visitors. It's, you know, ecologically sensitive areas. So it's pretty tightly regulated. But there is one way to get a wilder experience, and that is by backpacking along Redwood Creek. 
So you can do this in the official Redwood National Park. So as we've talked about, there's four different parks. Three of them are old state parks, and one of them is the official national park, and that's what we're talking about here. It's at the south end of the system, and it lets you do some real backcountry exploring. It's really the only place. Okay, because of its popularity, I assume we probably have to get a permit. What's that like? Yeah, so what you got to do is you go to Redwood National Park Visitor Center. It's called the Kekel Visitor Center. And you have to get one of 50 permits. So last time I went down there, you basically, you go in there, you arrive there at like 9 a.m. just to make sure you get one of the permits. And then you drive off and you can drive into a place called Tall Trees Grove. You know, you get all your, your camping gear on your back and you just backpack down there and you reach the creek pretty quickly. And from that point on, the world is kind of your oyster. You can, uh, the places you're allowed to make camp are in the gravel bars along Redwood Creek. And once you do that, you know, you can, you're pretty free. Like you can um, go to bushwhacking off into the forest. You can follow, you know, some of the trail systems. My favorite thing is just to follow the creek upstream because it really feels like you're going into a primeval area. You're following this creek with these beautiful swimming holes, so it's great on a hot day. And you just look above, and the giant trees are rising right overhead, and it feels like, you know, you're in one of those places that hasn't been touched, you know, for millennia. All right, Zach, we talked about two of California's redwood parks. Let's turn our attention to Oregon's own stand of these giant trees. We're the best spots to walk among the redwoods on our side of the border. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. If you're looking for the tallest trees on earth, those really classic redwoods, they're mostly on California soil. But Oregon has a few groves of giants of its own, and there's a couple reasons to, to visit them. First, it's just I like that idea. I like that Oregon has redwoods of its own. It's also a great place to get solitude. If you go on any of the California trails, you're going to be among a lot of friends. Even if it's pouring down rain, even if it's snowing, you're going to have plenty of traffic. Then again, you go to the Oregon Redwoods, and there's a good chance you're going to find solitude, even on the most perfect day. So it's a place to find the Redwoods in solitude. There's two trails uh, that you can experience the Oregon Redwoods. I'm going to talk about both of them. The first one is called the Redwood Nature Loop, and it's just outside Brookings. It's just across from Loeb State Park, the place we talked about just a little bit ago. And you can actually hike from Loeb State Park into Redwood Nature Loop. Uh, it ties together a nice little hike right there. It's fun because this is an interpretive trail. Not everybody likes the interpretive trail facts where, you know, you pick up a little brochure and there's like little things along the trail you can learn facts. But there are some good ones here. So, for example, my favorite fact there is it tells you the tallest redwood here is 296 feet tall. It's 34 inches in diameter and about 800 years old. So that's that's a big tree. But my favorite fact is this. They say one tree contains enough wood to build eight two-bedroom houses. Eight two-bedroom houses from one tree. That blows my mind. I don't know how big those houses are, but that's pretty large. Very monotone houses at that. All right, and the second place is a little more remote. It has kind of an interesting backstory. Of course, there really wasn't always a guarantee that it was going to be a place that people could visit, right? Yeah, so this is Oregon Redwood Trail. And it's located in a little bit more of a remote area southeast of Brookings, so we're still on Oregon soil. The story of how the trail actually came to be is an interesting one, and it started in 1988 when the U.S. Forest Service actually offered a timber sale to cut it. So they would have cut 300 of the last old-growth redwoods on Oregon soil, and it would have resulted in a ton of timber, 300 million board feet. 
The thing is, most old growth redwood at that point, I mean, people had stopped logging it. We'd gotten to this point where there was so little left, people were kind of like, yeah, we should probably maintain what we've got. So there was a story about in the, in the register guard, and there was outrage. Like, people were really upset that we were going to cut these redwoods on Oregon soil. A ton of phone calls came into politicians, and they successfully killed the sale. The interesting thing was they'd already cut a surveyor line for the timber sale, so now they had this cut through this redwood grove, and they're like, what should we do with it? And so that became the Oregon Redwood Trail. It's this place that was once going to be logged. Now it's a trail. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a break now. When we come back, we'll talk about how to float through these redwoods, mountain bike among the redwoods, and we'll take a visit to a place called Trees of Mystery. Did you know that the Statesman Journal's outdoor section has an app? It's true. It's called the Explore Oregon app and it features detailed information on more than 200 places around the state. It's designed for your iPhone or Android devices and what's cool about it is that you can turn it on and find information about all the places closest to you. So say you're traveling in Bend. Turn on the app and immediately you'll find information about great hikes closest to you. Learn more at exploreoregonapp.com or download it from the App Store of your choice today. All right, welcome back. In the second half of the show, we'll float down one of the world's clearest rivers and dive into a canyon covered in ferns. But as always, we start with a story. Yeah, we like to start out the second part of these podcasts with a fun story about a person or an issue that impacts the area we're talking about. And there's a lot of choices for the Redwoods. You know, obvious ones would be, you know, the Save the Redwoods League that was responsible for, you know, saving the Redwoods in the early 1900s. Or we could talk about Jedediah Smith, that everything's named for him down here. He was this famous explorer. He would make a good story. But I wanted to pick something that was a little bit more modern that's still relevant uh, to what's going on here. And so we are going to talk about a place called the Grove of Titans. That's a good name. And it's an amazing place. Unfortunately, that awesome name is kind of part of the problem. So to set the scene, in the 90s, there was sort of a new movement to search out the world's tallest tree. It was generally thought that, you know, this sort of record-breaking tree was probably still out there and hadn't quite been discovered yet. So that sort of launched a bunch of self-proclaimed big tree hunters to strike out into the remote off-trail branches of the redwood parks, sort of in search for this hopefully mystical tree. Two of the best known were Michael Taylor and Steve Sillett. Their adventures were actually chronicled in a book titled The Wild Trees. Yeah, they were an interesting team. You know, Taylor was very much this regular guy. He lived in Humboldt County. He was a clerk at a supermarket. And he was just willing to search these super dense forests for these, you know, mythic trees, basically. Sillett, on the other hand, he's a professor at Humboldt State University, kind of a superstar in the scientific area because he pioneers this new way of climbing redwoods. Uh, instead of using spikes or something like that, he uses you know ropes and a harness so it doesn't harm the tree. And he uses that to study the redwood canopy and what's going on up there. It hadn't been studied previously. But it also allowed him to measure the size of the trees. It was a lot more accurate. So if you wanted to know if you found the world's tallest tree, this was the way to do it. You just climb up it and throw a you know measuring tape down, basically. And so these two go basically tromping off trail all over in the redwood jungles. 
So they do this for a while, and then in 1998, they're exploring and found something worth investigating. The day actually became known as the Day of Discovery. Yeah, so they were actually bushwhacking in Jedediah Smith Redwood State Park, that which we've talked about a lot here. And if you've ever been there, or if you go there and look off trail, you'll understand this is difficult work. I mean, it is dense forest. Like, you almost need a machete, of course. You're not allowed to do that, but it really conjures up that image. And they're having a tough time on this day. Like, it's, it's raining. It's getting dark. They're getting pissed off at each other. They're not sure where they are. And then all of a sudden, something amazing happens. They come across these monstrous trees. They basically describe it as coming across, you know, a wall of wood just standing in front of them. It's one big tree after another. Now, these aren't the tallest trees in the world, but they're just very wide and tall, like an entire grove of General Sherman. So General Sherman is like the largest tree on Earth, like by volume. And this is an entire grove of trees that size. They give them these cool names like Screaming Titan, Lost Monarch. And collectively, they're called the Grove of the Titans. But even after the discovery, no one else really knew about it. And it remained a secret for a long time while Sillett studied the grove. The trail was not really something you'd notice if you didn't know what to look for, but that all started to change with the publication of the book Wild Trees in 2007. Yeah, so the problem, or the good thing, depending on how you look at it, is that it's a good story. Like, I remember reading the book, it was really interesting, but the story about the Grove of the Titans really sticks out in a way that makes you want to find it. You know, if you're a young person and you're reading about this place called the Grove of the Titans and a tree called Screaming Titans, you're going to want to go see it with your own two eyes. You're not just going to be like, oh, okay, it's out there, whatever. And that's what happens. You know, a handful of these big tree hunters go out and try to find it. And at first, you know, the, the state parks department or the Redwood Parks people, they didn't mind. You're allowed to go off trail in the Redwoods. So they're kind of like, oh, you know, whatever. They didn't tell people where it was, but they're like, if you want to go search for it, knock yourself out. But then, you know, the internet starts to get rolling and people post blogs of their own about finding the Titans and there's more hints about how to find it. And then the coordinates of the Grove get posted. And, you know, it's this snowball that's starting to roll downhill and downhill. And then, you know, the internet picks up steam, then social media arrives and pictures of the Grove of the Titans start to pop up. And now even more people want to go find it. It gets geotagged. You know, it shows up on Google Earth, I think, at one point. And so, you know, that river becomes a flood and all of a sudden there's masses of people crashing around looking for the Grove of Titans. It started to damage this really pristine area. The guy that I worked with when I, I wrote this story actually described it as turning into the Los Angeles freeway system in the middle of this primeval forest because there's like little circles of trails intersecting with little circles of trails. It looks like a highway system. Yeah, so drawing all these folks out into a relatively pristine sort of fragile area can be pretty damaging, not to mention that redwoods stand a lot to lose given the root system, right? Yeah, so redwoods are, are kind of unique. They have a root system that's actually close closer to the surface than other trees. So they kind of they'll even like interconnect a little bit. And so what the park does when it's building redwood trails is it builds the trails up using, you know, bark dust and all these different things so people aren't hitting the roots. But when you have all these people going off trail, it wears down the soil and people are, you know, sitting there trampling around on the roots, which is what the redwoods used to forage for, for nutrients and stuff like that. It's not going to kill the trees overnight. You know, they've endured plenty over the millennia, but it does start to do damage. And, you know, so eventually the park system's like, look, we got to do something about that. 
And that's sort of where we are now. They were fundraising to build these boardwalk trails. So it would, you know, take people from the trail into the Grove of the Titans, but they would do it on a boardwalk system so people weren't trampling the roots. At the same time, you know, Sillett, looking back, you know, I talked to him for the story and he said he really regretted having it in the book. I mean, he regretted naming it. And that's sort of the lesson that I take from this. You know, if you discover something cool, like there's no reason not to tell people about it or take pictures or anything like that. But as soon as you give it a super cool name, it becomes a destination and everybody wants to find it. Well, that's a bit of a depressing story, but one with possibly a hopeful outcome at some point. A trail system is still under development, so hopefully more people have a chance to see these amazing trees in the future. So up next, let's go ahead and talk about the most unique way to experience the Redwoods. What do you got? All right, so transitioning back into, you know, fun stuff to do down there. We've talked a lot about hiking, but it's not the only thing to do. One of my favorite things to do in the Redwoods is actually floating through them. So again, we're going to talk about Jedediah Smith here. Uh, It feels like we're talking about that a lot, but we'll get to other places. And the cool thing about Jed Smith is that it has the Smith River floating through the middle of it. Now, the Smith River is one of the clearest rivers in the world. You'll know it when you see it, especially from the highway. It really sticks out. I mean, I've almost crashed my car a number of times driving down because when the sunlight hits the Smith River, it just pops like nothing you've ever seen. It looks like a, a flowing stained, stained glass window or something like that with these you know beautiful blues and greens uh, in there. It's, it's really cool, and it's, it's not too hard to float in a raft or a kayak. Okay, that sounds great, but what sort of skill level are we talking about? If I'm going to drag a boat down from Oregon or hire a guide, I'm going to want to enjoy the view of the trees and not necessarily a white-knuckle terrifying ride. Yeah, so let me tell you a little bit about the, the trip. I mean, the float through the Redwoods, it's called the Redwoods float, not too difficult. I mean, there's like one rapid on there, but most people can do it. So the question is, you know, how do you get the boats and be able to pull it off? There's a place down there, uh, an outfitter called Redwood Rides, and they'll actually rent you the boats and do a little shuttle for you. So that's one way to do it. Or they'll take you on a guided trip. Either one works. You know, I just did it. And because I've got young kids, I elected to, to go with the, an outfitter. He's actually an old buddy of mine. He's a journalist who decided maybe I'll become an outfitter. And that's his job right now. At any rate, it's a little bit more fun to do it that way. It's a little bit more stress-free. Um, he makes food for you. And the experience, man, it's a cool experience. You know, you have the beautiful river. You have the trees rising right above the boat. You know, you can stop at groves and kind of go exploring and then jump back in your boat and go a little bit further. And what I've found is when I go down to the Redwoods, if you're just hiking all the time and just camping, it gets a little old. And so this mixes it up a little bit. It's, a, it's kind of a, you know, palate refresher. Speaking of mixing it up, the Redwoods also has some more touristy options. Yeah, for a little bit more of a civilized experience, we're going to talk about a place called the Trees of Mystery. This is a little bit more of a touristy experience. David, as our touristy correspondent, what can you tell us about the Trees of Mystery? Well, Mr. Backwoods, the Trees of Mystery is actually sort of like a family theme park that just feels like it was dropped in the middle of the Redwoods. And if you're a fan of sort of the all-inclusive feel, this might be a place to consider as a base camp as well. It's located south of the Del Norte Coast Redwood State Park, about 40 miles south of the Oregon border on Highway 101. I actually have fond memories of this place because I remember visiting here a couple times as a kid. And 
The thing that stands out when you first arrive is actually this looming 50-foot-tall statue of Paul Bunyan, uh, as well as Babe the Blue Ox. Yeah, loggers, I should mention, in the middle of the Redwood Forest. Looming there, standing guard over the entrance. But if you're actually looking to get high, which is one of our categories here, the park boasts a gondola ride that whisks about six riders up into the canopy for an eight-minute ride. And then at the end, there's this observation deck with views of the Klamath backcountry. This is kind of a cool way because it's, A, it's accessible for different folks. So if you have your whole family with you, this is a great option to bring everyone along. Mm -hmm. And it it really offers you sort of a different experience because you're up in the canopy, Mm -hmm. which, you know, You've probably been walking around the Redwood, you know, different hikes and stuff, craning your neck upwards this whole time. Well, now here's a chance to sort of actually be up among, uh, sort of up among them, which is always fun. Yeah, I mean, it feels like, I, you know, I started this out, you know, mocking it as a little bit of a touristy experience. But I actually, I feel like I want to go check this place out next time because it does sound cool. I've never been up in the canopy. So that sounds like something I'd like to check out. Yeah, and it's actually pretty close to one of the Redwoods you can drive a car through. Right. Uh, it's just a little bit south of there uh, in the town of Klamath. Yeah. Grab your selfie or whatever. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with the, you know, the good, you know, touristy, you know, pictures and videos and stuff like that. That's what families you know, trips are all about. All right. So moving back into a more natural setting, there's a place where you can actually get some of the ocean and the redwoods all in one place. Is that right? Yeah. So this is a trail and and I love the name of this trail almost as much as the hike itself. And it is called Damnation Creek Trail. Watch your mouth. Yeah. Sorry about that. You know, I I just, I love the name. It's actually named for the creek. It's called Damnation Creek. Uh, I'm not cursing, but it, you could be, I mean, it could be the exclamation you're making as you're hiking down through these big redwoods and you have the ocean on the same hike. So it's one of the few places where you can look through the big trees and, and have the ocean backlighting it. It's a great place to get pictures and it's just a super cool hike. It's not too difficult. It's about four miles. Okay, well, elaborate a little bit on the uh, sketchiness of this trail. Yeah, so it starts on the side of Highway 101 at Del Norte Redwood State Park. It's actually pretty close to the Trees of Mystery. And you basically follow this trail through the big trees and then downhill. So you get this cool perspective heading down towards the ocean. The sketchy part comes at the end. There's a bridge that is actually out right now. Hopefully they'll have it fixed pretty soon. But that bridge is the one that takes you out to the ocean beach. So if you want to get out to the ocean beach, you just kind of have to scramble around a little bit down to the shore. You can do it. It's just a little bit more of a challenge. It is a steep and a a pretty muddy trail, but it's kind of a a local's favorite. So a lot of my friends that live down in this area, when they just have some free time to kill, like this is often the hike that they do. It doesn't get a ton of use, but it has this great experience that, you know, the ocean, and the redwoods. All right. Well, speaking of the locals favorite, we've talked a lot about some of the more famous places, some of the big marquee destinations. What sort of other insider tips can you give us? Well, one of the most overlooked spots is the mouth of the Klamath River. And so the Klamath River actually starts in Oregon, and there's a lot of news about it right now. There's a a fight over the water and bringing down the dams on it. So it's been in the news a lot. But this is actually where the the Klamath River, you know, meets the ocean, and it's the largest natural river mouth on the West Coast. And it's actually a cool place to explore. It's, It's about 40 miles south of the Oregon border. All right. How do you get there and... How close is it to the Redwoods? So it's actually technically part of the Redwoods uh, State Park system. It doesn't feel like it, though. It feels different. And so you're just driving north down Highway 101, uh, just north of Prairie Creek Redwoods, and you'll go across a bridge that takes you across the mouth of the river. You you can't miss it. It's huge. So right right after you go across the bridge, you just hang a right on Klamath Beach Road, 
and you just drive out for a little ways, look for a place to park, and there's a great sand spit that takes you up and where, you know, you're walking up the sand spit and you look to your left and the ocean is right out there. And then you look to your right and the, the river mouth is right there. There's actually a population of resident gray whales there. So you can often see whales if you, if you go out there. A lot of wildlife. It's this overlooked place, but it's, it's worth considering, especially to break up a drive or something like that. Um, and, and it's a destination in itself, I'd say. All right, we're going to go ahead and cap it off here with our final category, the best overall experience. Yeah, so we're going to finish up here with, you know, the best of the best. And I would call this the best redwood hike in the world. It's located at Prairie Creek Redwood State Park. And what's great about it is that it combines three amazing things into one hike. So the redwoods are really great. It's one of the best redwood hikes in the entire system. But then you go out into this deep canyon and you can actually hike through the middle of this deep canyon that's covered in ferns. And you end up on this very undeveloped, very beautiful beach. So it's, it's three in one. Okay, well, this sounds great, but this isn't an easy hike, right? Yeah, it's, it's challenging. So if you want to do the entire loop, it's 13 miles with, you know, over 1,000 feet of elevation gain. It's a challenging one. You can actually shorten it to a 6.1-mile one-way hike. Or my favorite way is you can actually backpack through the redwoods, get a backpacker permit and camp on the beach, and then head back the next day. So let's talk a little bit more about that route. How do you get there? Yeah, so you start at the Prairie Creek Visitor Center, and to start out, the first trail that you follow is the James Irvine Trail. It's probably the best overall redwood hike in the system. There are gigantic trees throughout. And the cool thing is, you know, you'll usually start among, you know, a pretty crowded area, but the crowds really thin out as you put on the miles, and the trees only seem to get bigger. So you hike that trail for 5.5 miles, and then you'll reach a place called Fern Canyon. And you hike down through this super narrow, super tall slot, basically. It's a slot canyon where ferns just cover the wall. So you're hiking, you know, along this little creek and kind of bushwhacking through it. And you look up and there's just, you know, vertical walls of ferns that rise right over your head. It's not super long, but it's a really cool experience. And then you reach the end of it and all of a sudden everything opens up. And there you are on this really beautiful beach. It's called Gold Bluffs Beach. We talked about it uh, before, and this is, you can shuttle to this point, but, or, or you can camp here, but you get those things, you know, the redwoods, the canyon, and then the beach, and that's pretty good. Um, depending on how you want to do it, the, the route back to the visitor center follows Miner's Ridge Trail. By that point, you're going to basically be drunk on redwoods because you'll have seen so many, but it's a cool way to cap it off because it's just all good. Like, there's no boring part of this hike. You know, it's long, but you're going to enjoy every step of it. All right. That's about all the time we have left. Anything you didn't quite mention that you want to point out? So mountain biking through the redwoods, you know, I've alluded to it and there are a few different places you can do it. It's not like a primary activity, but there are a couple of spots it's allowed. The best one is Little Bald Hills Trail, and that's at Jed Smith. There's also a longer option at, at Prairie Creek as well, and it's called the Osagon Loop. It's 20 miles of, of a loop through there. It follows some muddy roads, some single track. It's a pretty good route, but it's often muddy or flooded or something like that, so not great in the off-season, and you want to check ahead of time to see whether it's even open. But mountain, but mountain biking, you can do it if you want to. All right. Well, we hope that gets you out and gets you super stoked for the Redwoods, whether you take a quick trip down to the Oregon Redwoods or a full-fledged family vacation down in the California Redwoods. 
but get out and enjoy them. Yeah. So that's it for the Explore Oregon podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you like what you heard, go ahead and subscribe and make sure to tell your friends and family. You can also check out our free app, exploreoregonapp.com. Head on over there, download it, use it to plan your next outdoor adventure. Thanks for listening.